0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from what i watched tonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going, sir?
1: Mr. Burke and feels. It's going very well over here. Uh thank you so much for asking. What a polite man you are. No, it's good over here, my friend. Yeah. Looking forward to talking more movies at the beginning of a week. So, how are you? How's Florida? Are you keeping it steady?
0: Yeah, you know, we're doing our thing. Um it's still, uh, Florida. So, you know, there's all sorts <laughs> of stuff happening and, um, it's the, we're winding down the school year. Um, so, um, I'm, I'm busy and not busy at the same time because I have, I'm on top of stuff, but I'm waiting for stuff to, to like come in. Cause I have students turning in late work and things like that. So it's constant juggle, um, of like, I have nothing to do and suddenly I'll have so much to do and then I'll have nothing to do again. And I'm just back and forth, like constantly waiting. Fenty um, time we got, for Dunkin. I I have been hitting the the old Dunkin' Donuts on the way home uh, a little too much. Like yesterday, I, I got to work early in the morning, and I was like, I can't wait till I go to Dunkin'. And I knew that was like you know yes. eight hours away, but so I was like already animal. like planning my my order. Um, they're they're really pushing coconut milk right now. I'm a big fan yeah. of coconut milk in my coffee.
1: Yeah, I I never tried it in coffee. I don't mind coconut milk. Uh, I don't really like coconut that like desiccated powdery stuff, Ugh. but I don't mind a coconut milk. Never tried it in coffee. So if I'm out and about tomorrow, I might get a book special and try that. But um, yeah, we haven't got what? a Dunkin' around here. We've got plenty of crispy cream as power Rangers oh. helped us out with, but no Dunkin'.
0: I am. Uh, I'm partial to the co- coconut milk in, in the coffee. I actually don't think I've had, it, had it outside of coffee. Um, I do like coconut flavor. I've come around on actual coconut over the last couple of years. Uh, when you, If you do keto, you end up uh, using a lot of coconut, coconut flavor oil, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so, I, I've really grown to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, uh, Duncan's... Like, again, I got uh, a coconut milk latte today, which is like 60 calories according to their app. God and damn. then yesterday, though, I got a double coconut milk macchiato. Okay. Which... Started off really good. It's also only like 60 calories. But then, you know, macchiatos are layered. Their espresso is not the best or whatever they gave me. I assume it's espresso because macchiatos are traditionally espresso. But it was a little more bitter than anticipated. And again, because it's layered and you're drinking it out of a straw. Mm -hmm. um, It was an iced macchiato. I wasn't drinking hot coffee out of a straw.
1: Iced macchiato.
0: (laughs) It was, was, the coconut part was very good. The coffee part was a little lacking. But um, yeah. So I, I do enjoy the coconut milk in my coffee, and uh, that's what I'm sipping on right now. In fact, it's it's quite it's quite tasty.
1: So, so if I'm going to go to the local barista house tomorrow, coconut milk latte, are we going for that?
0: Yeah, go for that. I'm going for that. And I'm only getting you know. however whatever no, no, no. Uh, options they've had.
1: No, no, I'm going to get whatever Burke recommend recommendation. So if it sucks, then I'm coming back to you. So um, okay, and I'll and I'll let all the bam the bam listeners out there know. Just how much I thought about your coffee recommendations tomorrow sure. or Thursday.
0: I do uh, normally. I I drink coffee mostly black, and or, or with just like stevia in it. But I have been, uh, again, I've been. They're they're also giving like three times the points when you buy the coconut milk <laughs> at Duncan for their their rewards app. So I'm like, I'm gonna get some free right. coffee. Uh, drinking something I actually don't mind. So, um, but that's not. We're not here to talk about coffee or donuts or snack and bacon. We are here to uh, talk Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's <laughs> new film that dropped on Netflix last week. Yes. Um, it is, as, as noted, is directed by Zack Snyder, written by him, Shay Hatton, and Joby Harold. I'm sure I said that correctly. Uh, stars big old Dave Bautista. Uh, maybe you know him from the WWE or Drax from Guardians. Um, Ella Purnell, Anadela Rigue- sorry, Amari Hardwick, Theo Rossi, Matthias Oh boy. Uh, sh- I don't know how to say the O with the double dots above it. Schön, like, usually. Oh. Yeah, so
1: usually. Sorry, it's usually er. Uh, so that'd be Schweighofer.
0: Schweighofer. Sh- sh- oh, Schweighofer. Yes. I said that correctly yes. for sure. Um, There's a bunch of other people in this movie, to be honest. Those are like the first six on IMDb. uh, The synopsis reads, following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries takes the ultimate gamble, ha ha, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. That's a bit of an oversell. 72% (laughs) RT, 57 meta score and 7.1 IMDb user score. And as I said, it, it dropped on Netflix. Um, so I go first in this scenario and I'm going to uh, just on front street. I, I don't think snack snacks. Um, he's a snack. Uh, I don't think he is a great director. I do think he's an auteur. I think he has a very specific style that comes across in all of his movies. I think he uh, has some good qualities, but they get buried in his aesthetic, which I think mm-hmm. is uh often murky this film looks a little better I think than some of his other movies it doesn't go it, even though it's an apocalyptic film it doesn't look nearly as apocalyptic as some of his other movies um, he ha- he has a really bad habit of over inflating things and it <laughs> always results in a long runtime and that is problematic because if, if the runtime is long but it doesn't feel long and or at least it feels justified in the content cool but yeah. there are tons of moments in this movie that could be cut out um, and then this is one of one of the criticisms that have been levied at him especially in his DC run is that he has a very cynical and dark outlook on humanity
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this movie has an air of humor to it that he hasn't had in quite some time it didn't fully work for me and I actually found it to be a little too uh, the opening the opening sequence of the movie I found to be a bit too stupid for my taste and I am a big fan of zombie movies and I think it could have been all right if the tone felt consistent but I don't think the tone feels consistent um from the opening thing because the opening feels like a horror comedy um almost that we have a guy the whole reason the outbreak happens in Vegas is the there's a military convoy hauling Unknown material, and those drivers are debating what that the materials they have could be. And because they're coming from Area 51, they're speculating it could be an alien in nature. Then we cut; we're cross-cutting this whole time with a guy driving his newlywed wife um, from Vegas, and she begins performing oral sex on him while driving. Both drivers are distracted. There's an accident. It feels. It feels a little silly to me and I, I don't know. There's something about like the military all survive the accident and that guy does not for sure, neither does his wife. Um they they explode in a big ball of fire, and it just felt immediately I was just like, I don't think this tone's gonna work for me. I don't think mm-hmm. that was funny. Um there the montage that follows that we kind of see the outbreak, which is that was something I also felt Uh, I didn't know going into this movie that it was going to be, we're going to see a montage of like Dave Bautista as a soldier fighting the zombies. And then we're going to cut, like, I don't, I didn't see if there was like a time of how long we cut from the montage to the actual heist that we're into, but time has passed. Yeah. And uh, that the montage is all right. But again, there's a lot of weird, like joke humor in it. You know, you see like the Elvis impersonator zombie and things like that. And it's just, I don't know. It didn't work for me again. It's, that's a taste subjective thing, but I wasn't really sold. And right now I probably sound like I hated this movie. And that's where I was surprised. I actually don't hate this movie as the movie went on. I did get more into it. I found mm-hmm. it very engaging. I like a lot of the performances. I'm a big Tignataro fan anyways. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they replaced Chris D'Elia with her made it yes. all the better um, Go for that. And, uh, you know, even watching for like the scenes of that, I thought they did a pretty good job. I think it's pretty obvious. Like, there's a lot of just take by herself sequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I don't have a problem with that. I'm like, okay, cool. It, it works. It it makes sense why she's by herself in a lot of those scenes. Um, i i I like heist movies, and one of my favorite part of heist movies is the building the team like sequence when mm-hmm. you see the leader going around and meeting all the different pieces they need to make the the heist work. That felt a little superfluous. Like some of the scenes didn't really like. It was just like, well, this feels too staged or too set up. It doesn't feel organic or natural. Um, But overall, I like the team that he assembles. I, you know, there's some stuff with the daughter that doesn't really make sense. Batista's got, you know, parent issues. I guess you could say. Um, It's the third act where the movie really fell apart, and I, I, I. This is something I think you'll see in a lot of reviews, but the third act. Uh, feels a little rushed, uh, considering it's a two and a half hour movie. That's ridiculous. Um, there are some scenes that like don't add up to anything. That felt like they should. Like there should, There's this imagery that is like very big and it's a big reveal, and yet it's absolutely pointless for the most part. Um, and that's the thing. Like there's a lot of allusions to things that we don't really go into. And it's like, yes, you're alluding to a bigger world, but at the same time, this movie's already two and a half hours. Don't don't waste time with Divergence that aren't going to go anywhere. So at the end, I was just like, all right, cool. This is a, a moderate movie. It's kind of fun. I I definitely have other zombie movies I much prefer to rewatch. Um, and that was disappointing because I thought this could be one that's just like a, an easy throw it on in the background, a lot of fun zombie action kind of movies. And it, it has moments, but it's bogged down with a lot of stuff that, again, doesn't really pay off. And some of the character stuff that felt like it could pay off and maybe would have won me over big time Mm -hmm. really doesn't pay off. And so I was even more let down by some of those opportunities. Um, Again, I don't think Snyder is a bad filmmaker. I don't, I think his style doesn't really mesh with me. Um, He definitely has a style that I can see why some people really dig for me. It just feels um, a lot of show and not a lot of substance. And that just doesn't add up to, Rewatchability with a lot of his content, so that that's my take on Army of the Dead. What did you think, Matt? Uh,
1: well, John hates Zack Snyder as well. I took from that. Um, mm. That's a joke, listeners. He doesn't. um What did I think? Uh, I didn't mind this. But I quite enjoyed this film actually. Uh, I said off air to John that I watched it on the day it came out, the evening, not because I was like rabidly excited for the film, but you know, I, th- I said I thought I'd be a good a good boy, do my homework early. Watch watch a ninety minute zombie film and then put another film afterwards and make a night out of it. Put Netflix on and find out this is a two and a half hour film. I was like, ah, uh, Zach's at it again. He, he he just can't control himself. He cannot edit a film to save his life. Um, that being said, I didn't feel like the movie dragged for that two and a half hour period. There were moments like in the middle certainly where you know things were elongated. A lot of scenes in, involving. Dave Patista's character Scott and his kid, they they stretched those out a little bit, maybe to pad out the runtime or to add some emotional heft, which wasn't really there. I'm not sure, but there was there were moments where they could have just taken it. he could have just taken it and the team could have just taken it out and be done with it. Um, I too enjoyed Tig Notaro, and actually, I think if you weren't aware that Chris Deli was taken out, I don't think you'd notice that she wasn't originally part. I I wouldn't have anyway. I wasn't looking for specifics where she was digitally inserted, for example, but I think they did a good job of inserting her into the film and she felt organic enough. The humour for the most part worked for me, uh, Matthias Schweikerfer's character. See I did like him. His relationship with uh Omari Hardwick's character, um uh, Vandero. thank god I've got the cast list up. I that I can see being a bone for a few people where it might not work. That did work for me. And that, the actual, um, the actual emotional yeah, like, crux of the film was actually in those two. I found, and I did not care about anybody else, but I liked those two how they started and how they were uh, developed within the film. Um, I thought the action was pretty good. I liked the intro, but the actual, not the, not the sort of pre-collision part, but the moment where the soldiers find out what they're dealing with. I think that's. A pretty cool scene. The tension there is, yeah. is good. I like that. I don't think though that they went in enough on the Vegas theme. If that makes mm. sense, I don't think they went Vegas enough. Um, yes, they have like the Elvis impersonators, and every now and now and then they jump into the casino halls, and you see the slot machines. But other than that, I know that it's it, it it's set below the strip, and it really feels like that. It feels like they're just in an a warehouse or something. Um, I don't think they went vegas enough for a film which, if you look at the poster, it's like full-on colour and Vegas, whereas this isn't. It, it, didn't, it didn't feel at all like Vegas to me when they're actually during the heist. So um, that was a bit, for me, that could have almost been a bit of a missed opportunity, but I didn't mind it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I thought it was entertaining enough. I wasn't bored at all during it. I wasn't necessarily fully on board with all the characters, but I wasn't bored, and I will happily say this surprised me that I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, Dave Bautista's pretty good in the lead. I've, I've been fairly critical about Bautista, only because he's very self assured of his own acting ability, and I don't think he's quite where he thinks he is yet. But if he keeps getting these leading roles and getting called up to things like uh, Dune and Deneville in her films, and obviously 2049 then surely he's only going to get better so um, I think it's a good vehicle for him, I think the supporting cast are pretty good I did have one character in particular whom I, I just didn't like but hell, in the spoiler cast we'll go into that one slightly more so but no, I think it was I think it was a good film I think it was a decent film, uh, Snyder knows how to do these kind of zombie films, obviously his remake of Dawn of the Dead, I did like that um, yeah. but I, I just think it's I just think it was, oh, I want to say 20 minutes too long, but you know, maybe yeah. even more than that, but I didn't yeah. feel it didn't drag for me though. So what I've given out of 10, I don't know, but I'm certainly positive on this one.
0: I would say uh, Don of the dead also is a little too long. His take on it. Um, yeah. And I, I, that's the thing. I think that's his big, like he needs to be less precious with his scenes. Like he seems like when he shoots something, he wants it in the movie, even if it's at a hindrance to the overall thing going to be more ruthless Um, i also like they set up this idea and this is in the trailer but they set up the idea that the zombies are more than a traditional yes like cliche zombie Mm. and i don't think they go big enough on that either I, I, i don't feel it feels more like yes there are these super zombies that's it, you know. And they allude to some things that they they again don't really develop, and even feels like dead ends. And then that's again that's time wasted if you're going to bring that to the 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 element of the film. Then let's go with it. There were I had a few characters that I really liked. I actually really liked Amari uh, Hardwick, though, and I just wanted to throw that. I thought he and yeah. uh Matthias were a really great pairing. They were very funny. They were definitely mm-hmm. the parts where I laughed the most. Yeah. Um. I, I think I would have preferred Omari as the lead. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if, not necessarily in Batista's character, but as if Omari's character was the lead character. Yep. But, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think Batista is a leading man. I think he's a good supporting character, mm-hmm. and when he's cast correctly, like, I think he's great as Drax. I think they maybe go a little too hard on Drax in, in Guardians 2. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, I yeah. think in the first Guardians, he's, he's a little better. And then he's good as like a cut cut to guy, you know, you cut to the joke and then yeah. you go away from um, or as he's, the
1: muscle la 2049. He's good in 2049 yes. for what he has to do in those but ridiculous he, and he's very small s-
0: glasses and silent for the most part, right? Like it's a very <laughs> s- like quiet performance. Yes. And it's not, it's, he's not bad at dialogue, but he is, he, he does sound like he's reading dialogue mm. and it's very stilted. Um, he's got a way to go. Yeah. And again, it, he can do some things. Well, he he's obviously got a look he's a big wrestler guy like he has a, a that going for him but yeah and his comedic chops aren't bad and that's i wish they would have leaned a little harder on the yeah. comedy with him um he's got they they really push him for the dramatics and it just doesn't it doesn't work because it's so generic um yeah it, it again it's not i do again i always hold people always like oh it's a zombie movie it's like no you can still be better and there are better examples of mm-hmm. zombie movies Um, Honestly, Matt didn't love Peninsula, but Peninsula is a better heist movie than this one. In my opinion, I had way more fun watching Peninsula, and the action sequences in that movie were nuts to me. Like, the Mad Max vibe that I got from watching Peninsula was way more enjoyable than any sequence in this movie.
1: It was a lot snappier as well. It, you know, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying and on that one. And I, and I concede to a point on that because Peninsula, as far as I remember, wasn't two and a half hours long. So it, it, nope. it didn't take us long getting to where it needed to be. And like you've just said, there was a lot of interesting things they could have done here. And especially in the zombie angle. And that's where you, if you, if you're dead set on a two and a half hour runtime, that's where you use it. You take yeah. out some of the, clearly like i mentioned the padding scene like trying to add um heart and soul where there really wasn't any there you know develop the zombies because a lot of the people who are coming to this film will be coming for the zombies let's not let's not forget that as well a lot of people are just coming for let's see how cool the zombies are or what they get up to so flesh them out and they what how they were portrayed i think was very interesting and how they exist as well i think was was interesting but i would have liked to have seen more about that but yeah peninsula it was well, a lot of car chases. It sped to where it needed to be a lot quicker and it felt more like a heist, whereas this felt more like, you know, people sort of tiptoeing around a warehouse before sort of like bumbling their way through one thing to another, whereas I guess high he- t- um, peninsula, dare I say it, this felt a bit tighter.
0: There you go. Um So that's our review of Zack Snyder's army of the dead. And I, I think all of his movies from now on must be Zack Snyder's, um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, it just has that weight to it. Um, that's our review. Uh, we both are not down on it. Again, I think it's very watchable. I just don't think it's a necessity to watch. And I do think it, like a lot of Snyder stuff, there's so much more that could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's always. I think he needs some uh, some people to tell him no, and to maybe force a little restraint on Shave him. I think even, time off. Yeah, it, it's just he needs to be pulled back a little more. So that's oh, our take. It. Yeah, it's, again, not not bad. Um, definitely, uh, you know, a, a, a solid Netflix entry, better than some of the other Netflix stuff we've had to review. Um, let's go to our next segment where we talk chuffed headlines, the movie pop culture news that caught our attention. Matt, what grabbed your eye this week? Uh, Well, there's quite a
1: few this week, actually. So the one I've gone for is, so as it always turns out, fairly recent in terms of recording. But I found out this is quite a busy week for film news or pop culture news. But the one I've gone for is the news that Deadline dropped exclusively that uh, Timothy Chalamet is going to play Willy Wonka in a new origin tale from Warner Brothers and the Roald Dahl story company. So, I mean, for years we've been asking, you know, release the Wonka origin cut. So now we're getting it. hashtag We're getting an origin story, origin origin story, focusing on a young Willy Wonka and his adventures prior to opening the world's most famous chocolate factory. So we're going to get the third uh, adaptation of a film with Wonka in it. Obviously, you've got the Gene Wilder one from like seventy one, and the Johnny Depp one from two thousand and five. Um, <sighs> honestly, when I saw this, I'm going to go. I mean, think it's Timothy Chalamet. I have said that. I think he's a good actor, but the only thing I have about him is the same. I have with Seshia Ronan is that I never fully believe them sometimes that they're act, that they're, they are the part they play. I always feel like they're acting that like they are performing. It's Timothy Shalema pulling apart. I never, I, I want to see him sort of like get into a role. Um, whether it will be this one, I'm not sure the, uh, this I've picked this one simply because it annoyed me, frankly. And Paul King ah. is directing who's he directed Paddington one and two. Oh. But it's the idea, and that's the only saving grace for me. But it's the idea that we we need. Firstly, the film called Wonka, which in many ways is hilarious. But why? What at what point did Warner Brothers sit down and think, you know what, Willy Wonka? Kind of wish we knew what happened to him before the uh, Adventures of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I just don't understand well, the need for this, and I don't. And I'm not somebody who says we don't need this film. Why did this? No film needs to be made, but something about yeah. this one, which makes me think this just feels so, very pointless.
0: I have a lot about this because I am a huge Willy Wonka fan. Mm. I love the Gene Wilder movie. Oh, still. Like it's, it's a favorite of mine. I also love a lot about Tim Burton's movie. I think there are a lot of problems, but I love Depp's like weird quirky take mm. on the character. There's still lines from that movie. I quote all the time. He um, was the
1: right man at the right time for that role.
0: Right. However, that movie, you may not remember this. I've seen that movie probably also way too many times, but they do an origin story in that movie, well, which yeah. is probably A the worst part thing, of it. Yeah, yeah it, it's weird. It's uh, it allows for some really zany flashbacks and and things that are you know you get Lee. the yeah, Christopher <laughs> Lee as his dad. So it's like you've you've already done that, and that was. His, I feel like when I hear people criticize that movie, it's mostly those scenes that th- they criticize. Plus it, it pads the runtime of a movie that doesn't need to be long. And, um, it doesn't like all it do- It creates a reason for him not to give Charlie the factory at first, mm-hmm. unlike the original movie where it's, you know, he doesn't think any of the kids are worthy because they all, they all lied. Yeah. In this movie, in the, the Johnny Depp one, the reason he doesn't give Charlie the factory right away is because Charlie won't give up his family and, Willy Wonka thinks family is stupid because of his relationship with his father. Mm -hmm. So they give him daddy issues to delay the reward, Um, which also felt unnecessary in the big picture things. Because what, like, Gene Wilder takes three seconds for him to, like, for Charlie to redeem himself and get the (laughs) damn chocolate. So, I... I have issues that they feel like we need an origin story. I, I, I would just rather have another Willy Wonka movie. Let's do the factory again. How many, how many different, I would love another version because mm-hmm. I love the music in the original. One of my favorite moments in cinema is the first reveal of the, the room where everything's edible. Yeah. You know, the Room's amazing. You know, like the Who idea of want to exactly. It was like the, the fantasy world of, of what could be. And then, and, and, uh, you know, Burton's movie it's a little more musical than I think the original like there are songs in the original but the songs feel I don't know they don't feel like a musical like this mm-hmm. that Willy Wonka feels like every song is very different it fits the tone you get the um, the blending of genres like and none of them are great like but they're all there and they're all so unique and different so it felt more like a musical to me obviously the other one is regarded as a musical I'm not saying it's not I'm just like when I think of that one the songs all fa- sound pretty much the same Mm-hmm. and they are with the exception of the lyrics change to match the, the kid burton's is very unique songs per so let's do a different version let's go full-on musical holy like, everything's a musical all the songs which by the way uh cheer up charlie worst song ever right like absolutely <laughs> worst song um but to chalamet i love chalamet i think he's a very talented actor i mm-hmm. do think he is an actor he yeah. he it, he's not going for realism. And I think that could be bad in a Willy Wonka role where maybe he'll go a little too in on the Zany and mm-hmm. it might be over the top or, you know, almost to the level of like parody of him trying to be Gene Wilder or trying to be Johnny Depp's Wonka instead of finding his own version of Wonka. Or are we going to get like mopey Willy Wonka? Is he going oh, to turn damn. out he's like an emo kid? Oh, I um, hope not. Like, and. Are we updating the tale? Is it a modern like origin story, or is this like well, old school?
1: I'm guessing it's an origin story based on the Wonka from the book, from the novel, because uh, obviously if it's if it's a film origin, like which one, Gene Wilder, Johnny Depp. So I'm assuming it's simply just going to be an origin for the character sure. in the book. And Roe Dahl himself was, let's just call him problematic at best. But you, uh,
0: you could update the the book to match like a modern time, right? Like you don't have to set it as a period piece um i i always have felt like the the timeline is unclear in the wonka world anyways yeah. like it's not like super old school but it also doesn't like i don't think johnny Depps was supposed to be in the 2000s when the movie came out right like it didn't feel no, like it was that i think modern. it's gonna
1: have that 60s kind of vibe to it just because it's gonna have that like you say zany psychedelic feel to it um and i think it's gonna be a lot of pink a lot of orange a lot of blues a lot of greens flying around um i'm I don't, I, d- I don't know man if if they come out like a hardcore t- joker style trailer that would be h- hilarious but i just worry about it because um God. there's something about it was just well, quite a lot about doesn't it, it? feel right i mean Ch- chalamet look he's along with tom holland is like the kind he's he's in now I mean, he's got dune coming up the french dispatch the wes anderson film obviously uh, yes don't look up from adam mckay with leir dicaprio he's he's in right now and there's a good reason because like you say he is a good actor but i always like i said there's something Something I that kind of just pushes me away ever slightly. The 1% that pushes me away slightly. However, here he's going to get to sing. He's going to get to dance. He's going to get to sort of ham it up a little bit. So let's see, you know, ha- ha- how he does that. Because obviously, like you say, is, is, is Willy Wonka, as we meet him, is already kind of, he is that zany dude. Now, does he become that because of a series of events? Or has he always been like that? So, interesting, I guess. But I'm, I can genuinely say now, even... What one, two, maybe three years out from the film? Again, no, no story details or anything's been released or uh, timeline. But I have, I am so uninterested in this film. I mean, look, the trailers might come in and be like, "This is great," but there's nothing about this. The fact that it's called Wonka, there's nothing about this origin story for Willy Wonka that at all interests me. Because the seventy-one version is great, two thousand and five version ain't bad at all. It's always on at Christmas over here. I don't need to know how Willy Wonka got his name. Who are your people? Willy Solo. I don't need to know any of that kind of stuff. It's, it just feels like a
0: yeah
1: a risk almost on Warner Brothers' behalf that they're hoping that Timothy Chalamet himself can sell this film. And I'm not sure that Timothy Chalamet himself is a box office drawer enough to get people in. He's, a, he- he's an uh, indie and art house darling because he's very good at it. Yeah. But box office drawer, man.
0: I, I think an important thing to go back to something you said earlier was like no story needs to be told, I suppose. However, I think every single person who's ever lived, there is a moment in your life or in their lives or whatever, that is the pinnacle of storytelling for your (laughs) story. Like somewhere in there, there is a moment in your life that is worth sharing with everybody, but there are hundreds of moments that aren't worth sharing. And I think what we've seen when we often try to like tell an origin story of a character is that that story is not the one we want to hear. That's the boring story about how they bought a towel at Walmart on sale for $3. Nobody cares about a lot of those stories because that's the, if the origin story was the point of interest, that's what we would have started with. Yep. We're with Willy Wonka when we're with Willy Wonka cuz that's the story and let's be real it's not about Willy Wonka, right? It's, it's about Charlie. Yeah. That another area where Burton's kind of screws up is he does make it more about Willy Wonka. And mm-hmm. Wilder's version, he's a mystery, he's an enigma. And that's, what's so compelling that's about him it as this character. So, you know, trying to answer the questions of the oddity often result in disappointment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, don't explain what thing. doesn't
1: need to be explained. This, a lot of mm-hmm. IPs have that. Star Wars is one of them. Sometimes when, something is mentioned the the mystery of what that thing is is much more compelling than the answer uh and right sometimes you need that and this is what i think about this is who sat down at warner brothers and, and genuinely kind of thought about this and broke it down and went home and thought about it and thought Do you know what that i've got a great story i've got a story here which you know can really capture the hearts and minds of people and 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 and, and explain why Wonka was like he was when it when we first saw him but what i will say yeah. though is of course when this film comes out as with any even Zack snyder's justice league i'll go in with an open mind and i will hope sure. that it blows my mind i generally hope they have every film i hope every film is great but it, i hope not they the have minute, found man.
0: something that is compelling to tell you know like you'd imagine i uh, have but yeah i mean but like i i don't I've only seen it once and I didn't hate it when I saw it, but the Oz is great and powerful to me is a good example of what we're talking about. Right. Like they're like the wizard of Oz was an enigma. He's not the real draw. Dorothy's the draw. What about Maleficent? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I, I don't like Maleficent. So that's (laughs) wrong. Wrong. But we're about to get it with Cruella, right? Like, and Mm, the, from what I'm hearing, Cruella is really good, but uh, it looks like they've changed the story of what we've known of Cruella because, and that's cool because that means it's, they're not trying to cater to something else solo is catering to the star Wars universe that we know. (sighs) So they have to answer all those questions. Cruella Mm -hmm. from the trailer, from what I've, I've heard, they're not trying to like match what 101 Dalmatians Cruella was. This is like, no, no, this is Cruella. And I, from what I gather of Maleficent, they did the same thing. It's not a hundred one for one, the character to sleeping beauty um but that's a
1: great point though about cruella because tell me a year ago i'd probably have the same reaction to cruella as i have about wonka why mm-hmm. why do we need to know about cruella de Vil? but um hell like everything we're hearing i'm ex- i was excited for it because emma stones in, and I, I like emma stones I like
0: Stones. <laughs> yeah
1: but nothing really grabbed me about it in the trailer i thought was a bit kind of i want to say try hardy but it felt a bit odd you know the tone yeah, wasn't did. what i thought it the was the first one the first, yeah, yeah, the first one yeah. But um, getting good reviews, man. So when it comes yeah. out, I'm sure we'll be covering that at some point.
0: A couple weeks, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. summer. What have you gone for, here? dude? So my my headline is a much darker one, um, because all right, Kevin Spacey in 2017 is accused of a bunch of uh sex, numerous allegations of sexual misconduct, mm-hmm. and from like spanning his career. Too yeah. like So, like, the accusations are coming for, from over 20 years or so, and he's basically been shut out of all Hollywood and TV since then. Uh, Netflix let him go, and the only time we've really seen Spacey since then are videos that he made himself, oh. once in character of Frank Underwood, um, just basically, like... Let me back in, essentially, is what the message of all of his things. Like, remember how good of an after It's like, yeah, remember how horrible of a person you appear to be based on the allegations. And I understand that there are allegations. No criminal, uh, nothing's actually been prosecuted. So we can't say he is any of these things. We can only say he's been accused of these things. But there's so many accusations. And the fact that it's been, like, wiped off, where he's been removed has been pr- to me, it spoke volumes and suddenly he has been cast in a movie. It's an Italian film. And I think that mm-hmm. is worth note um, direct uh, directed by Franco Nero. Um, and the, the, the grossest part about it is the film is a pedophile drama for a man who was accused of sexual mm-hmm. misconduct with minor all under eighteen male actors, from what I recall of the accusations, the 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 men making the accusations were no longer under eighteen, but they a lot of the accusations were from when they were under eighteen, and so the nerve of him to take a job—he's not playing the pedophile—and I think that's worth of note. Um, I have an article linked in the show notes from the Guardian um, talking about it, but. One, it, it does feel like a publicity, publicity stunt from Nero to, like, he knows people are going to talk about this. There's no way. I, I knew nothing about this movie until Kevin Spacey was cast. And I honestly knew nothing about Franco Nero, which there's there's tons of filmmakers who I don't know anything about. So it's not a criticism, but at the same time, suddenly I do know about him, and it's because of this choice. You're not going to see, like, Christopher Nolan or Zack Snyder or Michael Bay casting Kevin Spacey right now. Because why would they? Yeah, and so it's it's pretty gross. I think the idea that this is happening is is shameful. I do think Kevin Spacey is a terrific actor. That doesn't mean he gets to be above the law because he's good at something. And the fact that this is even a thing is pretty ridiculous. I feel. Um, what, what are your What are your thoughts, Matt?
1: Pretty much exactly the same as what you've just said there. The there's two sides to look at it is uh yeah as you said um kevin spacey has only been alleged to have done what he is accused of doing uh though from what i've read and understood one of the people who accused him died so they can't follow up their claim another one just it, it, it was too long since it was reported that it was followed up or or, they, or whatever it whatever it is went past a statute or if it's called so they so that had to be thrown out of court. So the only two that have been brought against him are kind of, what, what, one went, one 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 like one ran over time, and the other guy died or the other person died. So there's uh, there's that, and to kind of think about as well, there are a lot more allegations against him, which will be brought to court and brought against him. I'm sure, but for now, he is it is innocent until proven guilty. That I I do yeah. believe in that um, ideal. However. Simply by the sheer volume of people coming out against him, I do believe that there's something going on there. And on the other side of that, he is undoubtedly a magnificent actor. You must I don't think anyone can, can deny that Kevin Spacey isn't a fabulous actor. He really, really is. Um but yeah, this is a publicity stunt all in. All in. The guy wants to I don't even remember what the guy's called. He's got a film he wants to make. How do I get publicity? How do I get more eyes in it? How do I get more funding, um, more attention for myself, potentially greater uh, opportunity for jobs in the future if this film isn't bad? I don't know. Make some controversy about it. What can I do? I'll see if Kevin Spacey is available. Perfect, perfect storm for him to get his name out there because we wouldn't have covered this at all on BAMP. Not that we're against Italian no. films. No, we, we dig international cinema, but I've never heard of this guy or this film until now. So, hey, look, the film may be good. Kevin Spacey probably will give a good performance in it, probably a very believable performance, given what he may have to do. But um, I i was very surprised by it. I even sent it to John as well. I was like, "What? what what's what's this? But um, what can you do about it? Like, like we said, if Kevin Spacey himself is innocent for now, I mean, I know he hasn't been, or, or let me rephrase that, Kevin Spacey hasn't had any, hasn't been found guilty of anything, therefore, shouldn't really be, Told he can't work because surely that's there must be something against that to restrict somebody for something they may or might not have done. I don't know how right that is. However, it's the moral side of it as well. I don't know. It feels it feels a bit uneasy to me, especially given the subject of the film.
0: Yeah, that is it. If it
1: was just Kevin Spacey in some weird action film, straight to DVD, whatever, still a bit odd. But you know, we're just to consign it to history. But given what he's been accused of and those kind of God tier videos he's been promoting of himself by the fire. Um, I, it all—it feels a bit uneasy to me. It's And like you said, the top tier directors wouldn't touch him with the barge pole because they know the controversy and the, his name will drag their film through the mud. So exactly. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a, I don't want to say brave because that gives credit to the director, but I think the director knows exactly what he's doing, but for now he, he, all he has done is given a a man who is accused of stuff a job so there's, there's that side of it as well so but um uh, whether i am probably still not going to watch the film
0: Are you going to watch it no i don't think so um partly i you know um like everything around it now i don't want to give him what he's going for even us talking about it like you said is basically giving him what he's going for there, there's publicity yeah, yeah. now people are going to be aware of it but i'm hoping that there will be backlash to this that um boycotts and things of that nature that's why i am talking about it uh you know don't watch this movie don't give kevin spacey you know, again i do agree that he needs to be found guilty to to make this judgment fair mm-hmm. however so many accusations in a time exactly. where i i want to believe the victims um yeah and i want to believe that people are good and would not do this just to ruin someone's career especially on this scale. One person that's maybe has a petty revenge tale. This many, like it's 20 accusations. If I remember reading the article correctly and yeah.
1: um, one is enough. I I, I hear exactly what you're saying, but obviously one is enough, but, but come on 20.
0: Yeah. 20 seems like, what are the odds that there would be 20 people bitter enough at Kevin Spacey that they would conspire against him to ruin his career. One person might like have a, a a personal vendetta. Of course. But, when you start adding, and again, I still want to believe the victim. I'm hoping no one would do that. I am saying though, that I'm more willing to buy into a conspiracy of maybe one or two people, but 20, it's like, no, 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 no. There's some, there's, that's too many people, especially for it to stay consistent. And we're not hearing those people like starting to waver. Cause that's when like, we, the more people you get involved, the more likely the lie will start to break if it's a lie. Yeah, And there's just, that's too many to keep their story straight. So I'm definitely siding with them and to give Spacey an opportunity to work. Because again, he can do other stuff. You know, go bag groceries. That's fine. You know, like you, you use your power in a way to manipulate people around you to take what you want. Then you have, you're playing a risky game and you lost. And I don't think he deserves another chance right now. Especially not, again, choosing a movie that's about a pedophile is it's almost like a slap in the face to me. It's like, it's like, exactly. not only did I get a job, but I got a job doing a thing that I'm accused of doing. So how do you like that? Like, that's, that's low. Like that feels even, even worse. as,
1: yeah. as and when he is convicted of one of these charges or all of them, this is going to look like the biggest, my, well, swore then biggest like douche move ever, yeah. even though it, it it already is, but this is going to, this is going to ruin his legacy. The, well, let me phrase that. The fact yeah, that he's yeah. the fact that he's going to be found guilty will destroy his legacy. But this will only add that destroyed cherry on top of that. By oh, in between this, oh, he stars in a film about pedophilia as well before being found guilty of doing his lurid stuff thing. So it it stinks. Basically, again, yeah. that yes, innocent man so far or unproven unfat uh, accusation man gets job fine, but it stinks.
0: And that's our headlines. Um, I think that's a good stopping point because it's it's an awful article. It's not an awful article. Sorry, Guardian writer, you, you did a great job. <laughs> good job, I just good mean job. It's awful that it's an article that needs to be written because the story shouldn't exist, but it does, and thus we have to talk about it. Media consumption is where we're going next. This is movies, TV, video games, podcasts, music, etc. that we have been consuming since the last time we recorded. Matt, start us off, what have you been consuming?
1: Uh, a shorter one this week. I've had a busy old weekend, um, but I've got more time now to cons- consume things. Uh, well, I, I say that when I'm not just scrolling through my computer or phone. But uh, so This week, I've been catching up on a podcast called Halloweenies. I've mentioned that before. Part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. It's a revolving door of horror fans. It's usually kind of anchored by at least two or three of the same people. Then another two or three may jump on who each year tackle an IP, a horror IP. So first year was the Halloween franchise. So it's a monthly show. Every month they'd review one of the films leading up to uh, a ranking episode and then usually like an interview with uh, the cast and crew. So the first uh, year they ended with a John Carpenter interview. The second year was uh, the Nightmare in Elm Street franchise and they interviewed Heather Langenkamp, who was, of course, Nancy Thompson. Uh, and this third year was fr- third year was Friday the 13th. And this fourth year is the Scream films, which they're kind of topping up by, because there's only three, four films, sorry, with the fifth one coming, or oh, Scree 5M, whatever it's called, coming out next year, 2022. And they're kind of supplementing it by to- also reviewing some of the films that Randy, the, the film buff in those films, talks about so some of the horror films he mentions um, in their like pantheon of films that Scream calls upon, but so they, I listened to their episode of Scream uh, ninety six, Scream and Scream two, the first part because there's a two part of that uh, from ninety the ninety seven film, and uh, I enjoy it. It's um, I, I like horror films, and I like people talking about horror films in such a way. It's probably not too dissimilar to what, how John listens to the Blank Check podcast. You can just get stuck into a two and a half hour, if not more, episode about something which you're interested in get new mm-hmm. points of view. Um, it also gives me a chance to go back and watch some of these films as well. I scream was one of my all time favorites scream two, not so much. Um, but yeah. it gave, it's going to give. I need to go back to rewatch it before I listen to the second half. But I enjoy, I enjoy, the podcast. It's, um, it's decent. And, you know, going back to rewatch the Halloween films or listen to them or watch them in my mind. And nightmare films is great. So, uh, the scream films are next on my list ahead of scream five, which will be coming out next year, which I am excited for um what have i been watching in terms of films i haven't watched any tv i haven't got i haven't got around to watching the end of uh game changes yet but in terms of films i have gone back to the classics back to the future it's one of the films i've watched recently i picked it up on blu-ray for a pound which is what one buck 20 um i didn't have it on blu-ray so i picked it up immediately bought it home i thought well where i'm going i don't need roads thank god i got a blu-ray player though i put that on love it every time i watch it, i love it more and more i don't know how you can't love back to the future i know jb they you have much of a fan you are the best trilogy ever yeah. um i also picked up the nice guys for two two pounds two bucks fifty uh the first time i watched the nice guys russell Crowe and ryan gosling oh. it didn't work for me the first time i watched it and i've said that wow. many times only because so many people said what it's great this didn't work for me and i think it was one of those occasions where. I remember the evening. It, I put it on at about 10 o'clock in the evening and I was tired from work. But I was like, nope, I need to watch this film because the world needs me to review it. I kind of watched <laughs> it begrudgingly. And by the end of it, I was like, Ugh, I wish I hadn't watched that now because I'm tired. I think that may have somewhat um, tainted my view because I really liked R- Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling in it. And I like the story of these, like the worst detectives ever. So I'm not entirely sure why I didn't like it. So upon rewatching it, I think it's great. It worked. It clicked. It worked for me this time when I watch him with proper eyes. So um, I'm glad I picked up the nice guys. And I know again, you're a fan of that film. And uh, the last film I watched, and the last thing I consumed, though, that, though, every time John starts talking, I always think of other things. But as far as I'm aware, this <laughs> is it. Um, what did I don't know. I watched The Simpsons today, and I also watched The Exorcist this afternoon. Some light afternoon viewing. Um, this the origin story of my daughter. Uh, what did I watch? I also watched Eden Lake, the 2008 British horror film with uh, Fazbender in it, Michael Fazbender. For mm. anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a ho- horribly depressing, bleak horror film setting the set in the British woodlands. It's about um, a couple go to the uh, go to, to go to the lake, Eden Lake, to have a lovely weekend together, a romantic weekend, but a couple of uh, a group of yobs, a group of teenagers, hoodies. Uh, spend the whole time terrorising them in a brutal horrible way. I don't mind Eden Lake, it's not one that I watch all the time because it is just so like, grey and bleak but I think it's a well made film and what the director James Watkins does is create this wonderful atmosphere and there's like, a horrible throttling um, dread throughout the whole film and that's what I like in my horror films, I like to feel something in horror and Eden Lake gives me that so Pretty short one for me, dude. A couple of podcast episodes, three films, um, uh, but hopefully this time next week I'm going to have a, a a much bigger assortment. But you've always got a pretty tidy offering. So, what have you been checking out?
0: Well, um, last week the uh, Blank Check started their new um, Patreon uh, series, which they do the commentaries for the Patreon, and they're they're doing the Twilight franchise.
1: Okay, here's here we the go, thing,
0: Matt. I ha- I've seen Twilight, New Moon, and Eclipse, and I never saw Breaking Dawn Part 1 or 2. Um, I also, I like to complete lists, as I believe you know, and uh, mm-hmm. a list that I found, I, I think it's the top 100 grossing films, um, there are three movies on it that I've never seen, and two of them are Breaking Dawn 1 and 2, and Despicable Me 3. So I, I am going to end up watching the two Breaking Dawn movies now, because I am following the podcast um, they've they've got a really interesting take on Twilight. I, I enjoyed. I, I did not rewatch Twilight. Um, I have seen it, so I felt like that was sufficient. And I listened to the commentary, and it kind of made me want to rewatch it. So I did buy all five movies. Um, I haven't rewatched them. I don't know. If I'm, I I feel like I might have to rewatch them to get to Breaking Dawn because I only saw them once, and I definitely was checking out of Eclipse. Like I was like, oh god, this movie <laughs> is brutal, and um but so yeah that i listened to that episode really fun episode and then the regular uh main feed episode is their uh second th- um, sorry third john singleton film higher learning which i've only seen once and i saw a long time ago and i remember it being very heavy and it was um still uh it has michael rapaport in it and there's the whole like nazi sub theme um but uh Listening to that episode is really good. Uh, two and a half hour, I think, episode. Good episode of the podcast, as per usual. Um, I'm going to stay with podcast for a minute. I started a new podcast, and I returned to another podcast, which I don't have on the list here. But um, my uh, a friend of mine got me last summer to listen to The Adventure Zone, um, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I think I might have talked about it when I was listening yeah. to it. Um, and I got through the Dungeons and Dragons episodes, and then they did a couple of other games. And I just wasn't like into like listening to other games. I was really trying to like learn D&D at the time. Um, but they're they're doing it, they just started a new series on the adventure zone. And it's, uh, I don't remember the name of the game, but it's called the I think it's the Ether Sea, is what the, the episodes are called in the series. And when they finish the series, they're going back to Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm like, I decided to jump back in here and I'm enjoying that. But, um, the same friend who recommended that recommended a podcast called Dungeons and Daddies. Hey? Colon, not a BDSM podcast. It, <laughs> that is actually the subheading because uh, don't Google Dungeons and Daddies, guys. Uh, you yeah, will I know you you got a few like free periods, man. But come on. Uh, but so Dungeons and Daddies is. I'm only an episode and a half into it. Uh, mm-hmm. I went back to the very beginning, but it is uh, a very fun take on d d like where the premise is it's for fathers are in our world taking their kids to a soccer game i believe and they're sucked into a portal and end up in a fantasy dnd world and um they they are like the normal they have the characters but how they get to the characters is a really interesting entry point um a lot of dad jokes and stuff it's it's real fun um if you like dnd if you like comedy podcasts i think it's a good listen uh i did watch mighty ducks episode nine the game changers episode nine um nine's a little cringy I thought at times it, there's a lot of like forced relationship drama mm-hmm. um throughout that i was just kind of like okay and it's i don't know of, of the episodes it was probably my least favorite overall but okay. they do handle some things well that i thought they could have easily fallen into trope territory instead they they navigate it mostly pretty interestingly um i am ready for episode 10 though i think i think they might have gone one episode too long i think nine could have been Maybe trimmed, or some of the stuff that happens in that could have happened throughout some of the episodes, and mm-hmm. we could have had it not feel like such a. It, it feels like a, a stop. Like we're at the tournament. This is going to take a whole episode of relationship drama to then finally get to the actual hockey in episode ten. In episode it, ten, yep yeah. uh, It felt a little, you know, prolongish. Um, I said, I watched. Yeah, yeah, I've watched some movies this week. Uh, not as many as I would have liked, but uh, for the. Uh, movie club podcast we watched Tina mm-hmm. the uh, 20, uh, 2021 uh, documentary on HBO about Tina Turner nice. uh, b- both Corey and I realized how little we knew about Tina Turner and also um, her how long her career was like I, I always associated her with the 80s um, and she got her start way before that like in the in the late 50s early 60s and so I, I learned a lot uh, pretty compelling not nothing it's not essential viewing but it's definitely uh, well structured and A good tribute to Tina Turner. Nice. Um, I watched the 1963 film, the haunting. Um, i saw the 1999. eh? Yes, sir. Um, I saw the 99 film in theaters uh, with Mm -hmm. uh, Liam Neeson um, and such. Um, I liked it at the time. I don't think it would hold up at the time. It was kind of like, I was still kind of new into horror and I was just like, I think I like anything that was remotely scary. Yep. Um, The 63 is directed by Robert Wise, who's a director I I know a lot about because of his connection to Val Luton. And I I was uh, interested in checking this out. It's it's really cool. What I was most fascinated by, though, is I didn't realize the connection to Shirley Jackson's novel because I knew nothing about the novel The Haunting (laughs) of Hill House, which is the Netflix series. But the Netflix series is a weird adaptation of it. And so I want to watch this Netflix series now, even though people have been telling me to watch it for a while had i realized it was connected to that 99 film and this film i probably would have been i love these weird like i love being able to compare takes on a single story mm-hmm. so i i'm intrigued by that um i'm going to jump ahead i i've been slowly working through spike lee's filmography for the last year yep and i decided to watch bamboozled
1: <sighs> okay
0: um. yeah it is a tough movie it's one of i think one of the most on the nose films spike's done with his commentary uh, oh yeah. Um, Damon Wayans, I thought w- was, I like Damon Wayans, but I, I don't feel like his performance is right. I don't know. There's so, it, it's clearly a performance that's supposed to feel like a performance, but there's something I just, I don't know. It just didn't fully click. I did like the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jada Pinkett is really good in it. I actually think she's kind of the highlight of the film. Um, Tommy Davidson is doing his Tommy Davidson shtick at times, but there is, he gets a few moments where he gets to be a little more serious, which I didn't dislike. And then, um, Go oh, I'm going to again. The to, what?
1: Go Michael Rappaport again. You've mentioned him once yeah. already.
0: Yeah, it's weird, uh, the, that connection of Rappaport. Um, and Rappaport, honestly, playing a character that, uh, was part of the topic of conversation on the pod on the Blank check podcast. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Bamboozled has some very interesting commentary. Uh, Spike does the ending. I thought, without like getting into the actual ending of the plot, but he shows in true Spike fashion. He likes to intercut actual footage from other things. He he basically showcases the uh, depiction of of black characters in old the movies and cartoons, and it's it's alarming um, to see the the sheer quantity of it and. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he uses that, that tactic in other films where he uses actual footage or um, he actually uses a clip from Birth of the Nation in both Bamboozle and Black Klansman. Um, so not uncommon for Spike. It it's definitely feels like a Spike movie. Some of the look of the film feels weird. Like it has like a security footage vibe to it. Like even just like the quality of the, the look of the movie. Um, I'm not sure what the reasoning for that was, but it's it's not bad by any means. But I saved the last movie because I, I was kind of blown away by how much I love this movie. Um, I watched a 2020 film called Sp- uh, Spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one that I think Big Tuna brought to my attention months ago. I bought it uh, on a sale at on Vudu. It's currently on Prime and Hulu um, and apparently Epic as well. So there's a lot of different ways you can watch this for free if you have one of those streaming services. And it stars uh, Catherine Langford, who got her big break with 13 Reasons Why. Mm -hmm. And then uh, she's in Knives Out, but not a vital part of Knives Out, to be fair. Um, She is in something else there. Oh, Love, Simon. She is an important part of Love, Simon. Not major, but still important. But she's so good in this. And then Charlie Plummer, who uh, I first remember learning about was um, All the Money in the World, the Ridley Scott Kevin Spacey connected film. Mm. Um, and then uh, it lean on Pete, which is one of the few horse movies that I approve of. Um, and uh, Haley law who I saw Haley law for the first time, I believe at, I don't remember if I saw the new romantic at Tribeca or South by, I think it was South by, and she's so good in, in the new romantic um, with Jesse Barton. And she's also really good and spontaneous. Um, this film is a dark horror rom-com um that works on every level and is there it has a lot to say it's very allegorical and yet you can totally just watch it on the surface um there's some great movie references it's a directorial debut for brian duffield i absolutely adore this film i think it is uh the more i've thought about it the more i just love it um i was enjoying it while i was watching it and then I just keep thinking about it. I've rewatched a couple of scenes on YouTube. I just think it's, it's excellent and not talked about enough. So I am going to, uh, as I often have campaigned against some films, I am going <laughs> to champion this one and encourage everyone who's up for some dark humor. Cause it is without question, some dark humor and you have to be okay with gore. Cause there are, there is a lot of blood in it this Works movie. for me. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's not quite to the level of a, uh, um, Oh man. Cronenberg uh, film, but there's definitely a lot of blood. Uh, the, wow. I would say the body horror is mild, but there's a lot of blood. Um, so that's where the, the difference, but um, and a lot might be strong, but a lot for a rom-com for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I adore this film and I'm going to encourage everyone to check it out. I wish I had watched it earlier even. Um, I, I really, really like it. So uh, And I don't remember who wrote the review, but I found a review after I watched it where up the the writer compared said there are three uh cult teen classics. Uh Heathers, Donnie mm-hmm, Darko, yep. and then Spontaneous was, they put as their number three. Which that's some pretty powerful placement, right? Like Heathers is a beloved mm-hmm. classic. Heathers. Dark is comedy. Great. I'm a fan of Donnie Darko, but it's I think I don't feel like Donnie Darko has the humor in the same way that you get with uh Heathers, like Heathers, right. is a, a dark comedy. Spontaneous is more in vain with Heathers than it is with Donnie Darko. But although I would also say it's its own thing too, it's not. It's not quite as dark, I think, as um, like uh, there's a lot of like characters doing bad things in Heathers. I don't feel like that's in spontaneous. Um, so I, I think it's a little less dark in that way. Like Mm -hmm. the characters are much more likable. You're not like, wow, these, these, that guy's despicable. Like, you know, um, so I think that adds something to this. There's a little more, uh, charm and optimism in this film with a dark story around it. And thus there's some dark humor because people are witnessing horrible things and then they'll make a joke, but the, i i kind of do that it, it's how i i deal with heavy things is i make jokes out of it to try to feel better so that to me just clicks and i i just really want to encourage uh listeners if you get a chance check out spontaneous
1: there you go john's always already told me to check it out as well so i will do based on that book recommendation
0: and with that uh we are at our last segment and it's the hardest one because Every week in preparation for this show, Matt and I have to do things to stay bloody awesome. And sometimes it's easy to find something to do to, to lift up the awesomeness within. And other times uh, there's just so much going on. It's hard to find that moment that you can embrace the awesomeness. So Matt, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome this week?
1: Uh, this week I have been uh, having a bit of a reshuffle, which has, been, which has allowed me to actually get some of my pop culture goodness are actually out on display for the first time mm. in forever, Frozen reference. Haven't got any Frozen yes. toys yet, but I don't, if Necker, if you do any, send me some. Um, so I've got a, I've been getting my movie posters out, my Star Wars figures, um, what else, oh, movie artwork has been going up, uh, my old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys, the four plush um, toys of, of the lads, the gang, which I ha- which I got in... I mean, 1989, something stupid like that. And they've somehow endured and survived. Looking a bit worse for wear, but they're still there. I'll take a picture. They're going out. Um, so now I have a little cave where I can sort of go in and be like, do you know what? Isn't pop culture great? Isn't all this stuff just awesome? I'm sure there's more stuff. I'm trying to think what else is up there. My Pittsburgh Penguins hockey jerseys up, up um, and a lot of other stuff. But it's nice to be able to walk into somewhere and be able to have all this cool stuff, which has you know, previously been put away for space reasons and now being able to just put out on full display uh, anyone who's seen the book cave will know that john is very much an advocate for getting your stuff out and putting it on display and by that i definitely do mean much but um it is nice to be able to finally get it out and um embrace what we love so very simple for me my friend it's a bit of a, a bit of interior design and a bit of uh embracing the pop culture goodness which has been in boxes for the last few years
0: That's awesome, man. I'm glad you're getting to uh, display all those things, because what's the point of having them if they have to hide away? Um, Exactly.
1: What about yourself, friend? uh,
0: So, I uh, was... uh, This year, twice, I've watched uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor uh, with my students, and uh, today was one of those days. Um, This is a different class, but film one, we watched Won't You Be My Neighbor, and it has me uh, always reflecting on Mr. Rogers, and... Mm -hmm. um, I, I find Mr. Rogers to be such an inspiring figure and uh, especially in a time when it's so easy to be negative. Um, it's so easy to, to look like I've, I always want to advocate that we don't stereotype and that we don't lump, mm-hmm. um just because somebody exhibits a certain quality and belongs to a group or indiv- like a group of people that we don't, assume that everyone who is associated to that is inherently bad. And Mr. Rogers reminds me that, um, that, you know, it's, it's not always fair to do things like that. And uh, Mr. Rogers ultimately accepted everybody for who they were and tried to encourage everybody to love everybody else. And I think that's, such an important thing, uh, that we, we try to encourage people to accept everybody for who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, that's not to say that everything is acceptable, mind you. Um, but we want to encourage those people to be better. Granted, they may not choose to listen to us, but I think that's, you know, an important point is not to just condemn, but as much as to try to educate and, um, bring those people to a higher place uh, and help them hopefully see the goodness in humanity that exists. Even though there's so much visible badness in humanity at times that we have seen great goodness and Mr. Rogers maybe being the pinnacle of that. And again, not a, not a perfect man, a man who admittedly had flaws and knew that he had them, but was constantly striving to be better and encouraging others to be better too. And that to me as a teacher especially um i always try to, to keep that in mind like you know it, it's very easy I, I especially feel like students are conditioned through through media to think of teachers as a, an antagonist right like that we are the enemy yeah. we are we are there and that's not the role of the teacher the role of the teacher is to be a leader to guide to help and to facilitate education in a way that is meaningful to the student and I think sometimes we get lost in that. Um, and Mr. Rogers always reminds me of that. Like, why Why are we doing this? What is the goal of, yeah. of teaching? And, um, and just even not necessarily teaching students, just teaching each other, uh, you know, talking to people and just striving to be better. And that, to me, is uh, an important part of being bloody awesome, is just trying to be the best example of a human that I'm capable of being, which won't be perfect but I always want to at least look like I'm trying to do the right thing and treat everybody the best way possible. So that's, that was kind of what I I sat and stared at this document that we use as our show notes, uh, trying desperately to figure out like how many times can I talk about working out or cooking <laughs> or um, even like, you know, returning to writing or something. I need something different. And I was watching the movie and I was like, this, this feels right. The, the reflecting on Mr. Rogers and, to me a man who truly inspires me to be a better person
1: well, i usually say at the end of epi- end of each episode yeah most of them ah oh, why should we should all be like burke blb and in this case mr rogers and i think in this case i think we should be more like burke who's uh after what i've just heard makes me want to be like john burke which i always do anyway especially when it comes to duncan <laughs> but no that's great to hear my friend and it's a uh, it's something which is you know without preaching everyone should do it shouldn't they you know look at our certain thing. like how can i be better you know what is it is it worth going around doing certain things which you probably shouldn't do can we make the world a better place and i'm here for that my friend
0: that's and that's exactly it's it's there's no there's no selfishness there it's just the general idea like i want everyone to be able to be comfortable living this life that is often uncomfortable you know Mm -hmm. let's try to not be the reason that it's uncomfortable um and that's our episode for this week, where we talked about Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder film, next week, though, is a big episode because it's over a year in the making. We've been waiting over a year to see we- a Quiet Place 2. Yes. That's not even counting all the time up until the release of it originally. But Quiet Place 2 was the first major release to be pushed back due to COVID last year. And we are super excited to finally get to see the John Krasinski. Sequel. Uh, it stars his wife Emily Blunt, the uh, Noah Jupe, and I forget the the excellent female daughter's name off the top Millicent, of my head. Millicent. Um, Millicent. That's it. I can't
1: remember her surname. I'm so sorry, Millicent. No,
0: but and then um and Cillian Murphy, who I am or Killian Murphy, depending on your yes. pronunciation, um, who I am often a fan of. Uh, so very excited to check that out. We're gonna be uh, venturing into the theaters quietly. To, uh, to see A Quiet Place 2, please remember, I am fully vaccinated. Matt is in the process of being fully vaccinated. Yes, so uh, And we we are rocking masks throughout the theatrical experience as well um, to, to stay safe. So we, we're not encouraging you to, to venture out if you're not comfortable. Um, my understanding is A Quiet Place 2 will be on Paramount Plus in 45 days, uh, much faster than in other scenarios. That might change, but that was what I heard a few weeks ago. Um, so if you want to wait and listen to our episode till then, totally cool. Do remember though, that all of our reviews are spoiler free, unless you're listening to the spoiler specific bonus episode. Uh, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, don't listen to that episode unless you don't care about spoilers. Um, in in the meantime though, we'd love for you to follow us on social media on Instagram. We're at bloody awesome movie pod and on Twitter, Matt
1: is BAMP underscore podcast B A M P underscore podcast.
0: And we are still on the Facebook uh, bloody awesome movie podcast, and I'm not removing the, the, and uh, individually <laughs> you can follow me at burkerviews.com and Burke Reviews on all the social media platforms. And Matt, there you follow my what I watched tonight.
1: at UK and what I watched tonight, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxed. just search that and you find
0: me. And if you like what we're doing here at the bloody awesome movie podcast, we ask that you take just a few moments and rate and review the podcast, drop the five-star rating for us. It'll help other movie fans find the show. And that just gives us so much joy. So thank you for giving us some joy. Uh, With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies
1: and stay bloody awesome.